0: The title of the message this morning is a call to fully surrender to God. And what I want us to look at here in this passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6, is what it looks like to love God with our entire life. As Pastor Sam said in the children's message, to love the Lord and to love the Lord God alone above anything else. And so it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that we are going to see this call from Moses to fully surrender to God. In the book of Deuteronomy, it's a series of sermons from Moses to the people of God as they are making their final preparations in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy chapter six, we have a a prayer from the people of God, which is known as the Shema. The word Shema in the Hebrew literally means to hear for the people of God it was important for them to hear again and again that the Lord our God is Lord alone. That he alone is the Lord of the people that were traveling in the wilderness and they would recite this prayer the Shema both in the morning and in the evening to be reminded of who their God was. So if you would turn your attention with me and open up the word to Deuteronomy chapter six, we'll read verses one through nine and then skip ahead to verses 20 through 23. This is the word of God spoken to the people of God in the wilderness and spoken to us this morning. Verse one, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you, your son, and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, had promised you in a land flowing of milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them, on, bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Verse 20. And when your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our forefathers and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our Lord, know the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. I think one of the things that has been the most frustrating for us all during this pandemic has been the breaking of routines and rhythms. That we are people that have grown accustomed to certain rhythms and routines during our day and during our week that have been absolutely turned upside down and disrupted. Well, we see that routine and rhythm is nothing new for us. That we are actually created to be people of routine and of rhythm. And that even God recognizes the need for his people to have certain rhythms and routines in life. And it was during the final preparations as they were leaving Egypt and traveling through the wilderness and on their way to the promised land that God, through Moses, wanted to give his people certain rhythms and routines. And we have here in Deuteronomy 6 a routine and a rhythm that the people of God would go through every morning and every evening to remind them that they are God's people, that God is the Lord, and that He alone is the Lord of their lives, that they belong to Him and to Him alone. And it would be this rhythm and routine that would guide the people of God every morning and every evening to keep them on their way. And as Moses says, so that you might do well in the land that God has promised. And the routine and the rhythm that God gives his people here in Deuteronomy 6 is the rhythm and the routine that would carry over from generation to generation to remind the people of God of what a life looks like when it is fully surrendered to him. What does it mean to love our God our God, the Lord, with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. Let's look together to what a fully surrendered life looks like, a fully surrendered life to God. The first thing I want you to see in Deuteronomy 6 is that a fully surrendered life means a life that is centered on the truth. In verse 4 of chapter 6, that, that verse that begins, hear O Israel, that is the Shema, the, the prayer that was to be recited day and night by the people of God. And this one truth found in verse 4 would be the foundational truth upon which the people of God would be called to live their life upon. This would center and ground their life. What is that truth? It is the simple but foundational truth that God is our God and that he alone is Lord. Why would it be important for them to recite this day and night? Why would it be important for the people of God to ground and center their lives upon this simple truth? We have to remember that these people were, the people of God were in between two lands. They were in between Egypt and Canaan, the promised land. And in both lands, they believed and they worshiped of false gods. Many gods Almost anything could be God. Almost anything could be Lord. And God wanted to remind his people, no, the God who created the heavens and the earth and the God who rescued you from Egypt, he alone is Lord. And they needed to recite this day and night. And we need to recite this day and night as well. This is the truth upon which the people of God must always ground and center their life because we live in a world and a culture that is fighting for our allegiance and fighting for our affection and we need to be reminded just as they were reminded in the wilderness that our God, he alone is Lord that we do not create God in our own image, but God has created us in our own image, that we don't define God, but God defines us, that we don't dictate that which is true and that which is false, but God alone as Lord. We live under his lordship. We live under his authority and that our lives will always be in a state of chaos until we recognize this foundational truth that he alone is Lord. And look, It shapes our entire being. This one truth found in verse four grounds and centers our whole lives and shapes us. In verse five, it says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and soul and might. You see, most people think that the word of God is only relevant for sharing with us how we get to heaven someday, but Moses wants to remind the people that the truth of God shapes every part of our life, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, that the truth of God and the truth of God's word is the truth of all reality. And we must have a firm foundation, this firm foundation, grounding and centering our lives that he alone is Lord. But we not only see a fully surrendered life as a life centered on this truth, but we see that this truth fully transforms our lives. A fully surrendered life is a life that is being fully transformed over time, day by day, sanctifying us and transforming our lives. And in verses seven and nine, Moses uses what is known as a merism. What's a merism? A merism is when you take two words, two contrasting words, and you combine them together To emphasize the entirety of something. So look what he does in verses 7, 8, and 9. He says, you should take this truth, the truth of God's word, and you should teach them to your children. When? Verse 7. When you sit at your house, and when you walk along the way. When you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall put them on the doorpost of your house and on the city gates. What is Moses trying to communicate? That the word of God, the truth of God, fully transforms your life from top to bottom, from the inside out, that every part of your life is transformed by the word of God. And he combines these two words together in 7, 8, and 9 to show the entirety of our life. So in verse 7, when he says, in your house and along the way, he's speaking to, this truth transforms you in your private life and in your public life. In verse 8, when he says, on your hands and in between your eyes, he's saying, the word of God should shape both your actions, your hands, and what you believe, your mind. In verse 9, when he says, on your home and the city gates, he's saying, the word of God transforms your family. And it transforms your life in the public square and all throughout culture what Moses wants to communicate is that there is not one area of your life that is not eventually fully transformed by the truth and by the word of God in personal and, pro- and public life, in your home and in the workplace, with your family and in the public square. Every area of your life is fully transformed by the word of God. It continually shapes your life so that you are equipped For the service of God wherever you go. There's not one place of our life that is not fully surrendered to the word of God. As he becomes Lord of your life, you begin to see in personal and public life that every area is surrendered and transformed over time by this truth and by the word of God. So a fully surrendered life, is centered on the truth that the Lord our God is one. A fully surrendered life is a life that is being fully transformed over time. And then lastly, a fully surrendered life is a life that is on mission. In verse 1 and 3, Moses is reminding the people that we are a people on the move. Yes, we might be in the wilderness, but we are going to the land that was promised to us. So that you are to obey the commandments. So that it might go well with you when you go into the land and possess it. He wants to remind the people. That we are a people that are going somewhere. That we are not to stay here in the wilderness, but we are heading to the promised land. And then in verse 3, he reminds them again. That it might go well with you. That you might multiply greatly in the land that was promised to your fathers. There's that word multiply. It should take us back to where? It should take us back to the very beginning of the story. The very first page of scripture in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we're given the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And here Moses again in verse 3 is reminding us of our mission, that we are a people on the move, multiplying people and multiplying and filling the earth on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to remind us the people of God, that we are going into a lost and broken world. We are the light going into the darkness, multiplying greatly, multiplying and filling the earth. This is the mission of the people of God. And what is at the heart of this mission? Look at verse two with me. So that they might fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. You see, the mission of the people of God is to pass this story of God's greatness from one generation to the next. It speaks to passing this along to your children and to your children's children. To do what? To equip them for the mission of God. You see, we do a great job of equipping our children to do a lot of things that are spectacular But the call of the people of God first and foremost foundationally and fundamentally is to equip them from generation to generation to fulfill the mission of God on earth as it is in heaven. This is the aim of God's people that we yes are in the wilderness but we are on the move and headed to the promised land so that in our lives there is one aim and one goal that is the glory of God. In all things. And we do our children such an incredible disservice when we do not instruct them and call them to this mission at a young age that there is one aim in your life, and that is the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, we are in the wilderness, but we are headed to the promised land. That is the mission of the people of God. So, what does it look like to surrender? It's a life that is centered on the truth. It is a life that is being fully transformed. And it is a life that is on mission for the glory of God. But here's a good question. Why do all this? I mean, God is asking a lot of us. I mean, fully surrendering our life to God, loving God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our strength. I mean, this is a lot that God is asking of his people. But isn't it interesting? In verse 20, Moses anticipates this question. Look at the question in verse 20. Moses says, when your son asks you in time, what's the meaning of all these testimonies and statutes and rules that the Lord, you our God has commanded? What an honest question. Moses is saying, there will be a day where your son asks, your children ask, why bother? Why, what's with all the rules and all the commandments and all the statues? Why bother following God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? And what's interesting is Moses doesn't answer by saying, you do it because we're told to. Or don't ask so many questions. No, no. In fact, Moses says, this is how you should answer them. Verse 21, then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt and the Lord brought us out with his mighty hand. You see what God instructs Moses to tell the people of God Is that whenever the people ask, why should we live our lives in obedience to God? Why should we follow the statutes? Why should we follow the commands? Tell them the story of rescue and redemption out of Egypt. And what was at the centerpiece of that story of rescue out of Egypt? The centerpiece of the story was the Passover lamb. And so from generation to generation, parents would tell their children the story of the Passover lamb, that there was a lamb that fully gave up his life, that surrendered all so that we could live. And generation after generation, they would tell the story of the Passover lamb until when, until the day came when the perfect Passover lamb would come. In the person of Jesus Christ. And it would be the story of Jesus Christ fully surrendering his life. The story of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, fully giving himself away so that you and I could live forever. You see, there is only one story that will capture your heart. There is only one story that would motivate you and I to fully surrender our lives to this God and to this God alone. And it is the story of God coming down in the person of Jesus Christ, first fully giving himself away to us. Do you know this story? Has this story become your story? Maybe you're listening to this for the first time and saying, I've never surrendered my life to this God because I never knew. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to surrender your life for the very first time to the God who first surrendered his life to you and so that you could live forever. You see, the Bible makes it so simple. The Bible simply says that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and actually believes it in their heart that God raised him, them, him from the dead, they will be saved. That because Jesus surrendered, you can surrender for the first time this morning. There was a story of a dad who was a doctor. And he eventually felt called in his life to use his vocation and use his talents to minister to people in the third world. And so he started praying about a short-term mission trip that would last for about five months. But he had a wife and he had five girls at home. and, And so he really wrestled with this decision. And so finally he, he, he prayed with his wife and with his children and, and his wife and his children gave them their full blessing to go, to, to go and be a minister using your gifts and talents as a doctor in the third world. And the day came to say goodbye and, and all he could do was apologize. I'm so sorry for what this is going to cost our family. I'm so sorry for how much you were, you were going to have to sacrifice. I'm so sorry that I'm, that I'm leaving you. And finally, his nine-year-old daughter stood up and said, Daddy, stop apologizing. Didn't you say that God was calling you? Daddy, I can think of things far worse than an absent dad. A dad who does not answer the call of God. What was that little girl saying? She was saying, Daddy... I want to see a vision of my dad consumed by the kingdom of God. I want a vision of a heart that is fully taken and surrendered to God and his kingdom. Let us, in this generation, give our children and our children's children a vision of a people whose hearts and lives are so consumed with the kingdom of God, we live our lives in such a way that they are examples of lives that are fully surrendered to God, that we can fully give ourselves away because we know the one who has fully given himself to us. Listen to me. You and I can give our lives to a lot of things. And you and I do give our lives to a lot of things. We give our lives to the things of this world. We give our lives to our work. We give our lives to, people, uh, to, to people's affection and approval. We give our lives away to hundreds of different things under the sun. And I want to ask you this question. And I want you to think about it. What are those things doing in return compared to the story of God giving himself away to you. There is nothing compared to the story of God in the person of Jesus Christ fully surrendering his life so that you in return can fully surrender your life to him. Maybe you fully surrendered your life to Jesus years ago, but you've forgotten the story and you've given your heart away You've given your life away and today's the day where you can reestablish that relationship with God and fully surrender once again. You see there are hundreds of things smaller than God that will fight for your affection and there are many people tuning in this morning that every single week you talk about your profession of faith, you talk about believing in God, but the rest of your week resembles very little of a life that is fully surrendered to God. And I would ask you this morning, would you surrender? Surrender your whole life in response to what he has done for you? And maybe there's some this morning that have never surrendered. And this is your moment. This is your day. How incredible that you can surrender your life to the one who has fully surrendered his life for you and that you could have life to the full both now and forever. This could be your moment where you surrender your life. Would you surrender today to the one who has given himself away for you? You see, there is only one reasonable and rational response to the story of stories that we give ourselves away to God, that we fully surrender our lives to him because he has given himself away to you and to me at the cross.